she was not who I would have cast as Catwoman. Did you see her um, speech about uh, centralizing love? I didn't. And the fact she said, <laughs> she said, um, is, that like, is that like nationalizing love? She said uh, she gave a very emotional speech about the rights of. Um, I mean, basically everyone accepts uh, males. And it was it was a real rabble rousing uh, speech, but delivered and I think written by an actress, so um, pr- pretty stupid. Um, and she said at one point that the old world will crumble and a new one will rise up, and it sort of sounded like that sounds like it was straight out of the Nolan Batman films. Yeah, or or an ISIS execution video. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Ear Read This, the podcast that swivels books around in your ear holes to wax lyrical about literature. I'm Ash. And I'm Adam. And we're here to talk a bit more about comedy of errors and some other stuff besides. How are you doing, Adam? I'm okay. I'm. Most of these podcasts have led with you just jumping something on me and I'm prepared this week for anything that you can (laughs) do. Give us a little bit of a fright. So I'm going to jump something on you straight away. Oh, okay. Uh, Quiz about comedy of errors. About about the play? Well, no, about twins, actually. It's called Double or Nothing. Okay. Um, you're going to start with a prize money of £10. It's like King's Ransom. Yeah, and for every question you get right, that is doubled. Okay. But guess what happens if you get one question wrong, Adam? Oh, it's all gone, isn't it? It's all gone. Okay, so Double or Nothing, first question. Okay. True or false, Siamese twins have separate passports. <laughs> Shit. That's true, isn't it? It's true. It's true. Yeah. 20 quid. Excellent. I'll take that to the bank. Okay, next one though. Mm-hmm. They get harder as we go along. Lady Gaga has a twin brother called Lord Strapon. <laughs> See, I'm not, I'm not entirely up Take to date. Take some time to think. I'm not entirely up to date on her life. Well, you only need to be familiar with her origins. <laughs> I'm going to go with four. Um, moving straight on Tom Hardy has a twin brother called Torn Gently I don't think you're taking this quiz entirely seriously Ash so just a mixture of false ones and true ones the Sammy's twin one was he was did real. he did play twins in that in yeah. that film did he or was that Torn Gently oh. it's false it is I'm afraid yeah damn it no flies on you uh, Lemony Snicket has a twin brother called Rickety Bucket <laughs> See, part of me wants to say true for the comedy value. A lot of you wants to say it's true. It? But if I say false, I'm I'm a hundred percent unbroken record for answering quiz questions correctly on this podcast. Yeah, twenty, forty, sixty. That would take you up to no twenty. <laughs> bad math. Twenty, forty, eighty. Twenty, forty, eighty. One hundred and sixty pounds is on the line. I Rickety co- bucket. I, I quite need that money. That's false. False. I'm afraid it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, wow, I'm down 180 pounds. Can so I have that check now? Because I'm still, I'm still waiting no, for what you owe me from last week. No, you're still contractually obliged to, um, to answer the rest of these questions. <laughs> Blackbeard had a twin brother. What was his name? He was also called Blackbeard. Well, I guess because if they were twins, they would both have black beards. It's true. I'm afraid it's false. Oh, shit. <laughs> okay, but I'll give you one last chance to double okay. or nothing. 
get slightly different question, not a true or false. Okay. There was one small way to tell the difference between the two Blackbeard twins. What was it? If you get it in the right ballpark, I'll give you it. Uh, pubic hair. No, have another guess. Eye colour. One more. The realness of their teeth. No. One of them had a uh, tiny little mole on one shoulder, uh-huh. whereas the other black beard had a parrot. <laughs> you know, I think I've seen Comedy Bears. Oh, yeah. Which one? Uh, Lindsay Lohan one. I didn't realise there was a version. Yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay Lohan and Dennis Quaid. Oh, who does Lindsay Lohan play? Uh, w- twins. Which one? Both of them. Oh, yeah. Um, I've, n- I've never actually heard You've not that. seen this one? No. 1998? No, it's passed me by. Are you sure? It was pretty classic. Oh, no, no. I've n- never, never heard of it. Tell, mm. tell me a bit more about it. Well, you know, like, the summer camp scene? No. Well, you know, there's one of them's English and one of them's American. And then they're sort of raised apart, but then they accidentally meet and they realise they look exactly like each other. Yeah. Yeah, but then they decide that because they realise their parents had each taken one of them, they've got to get their parents back together so they can live together. So what they do is they swap. So the English one goes to America and the American one goes to England. Right. And then goes to like quite madcap. Yes. And a little bit screwball. And it's very, I think it's it's classic first. Have you really not seen it? No, I, I should try and... I thought you did your research for this show. I did my best. Well, I mean, you're, you've clearly not seen the right thing. I've come here with a lot of material to talk about. That's and if you're, and if, you're, if you're batting zero on this, I'm not sure what I've got to say. I'm, I'm more than a little disappointed. Like, now you're going to tell me you've not even seen the Danny DeVito and the Schwarzenegger version. Okay, Adam, are you, are you ready for the return of a beloved feature? Ooh, which one's this? More quizzes? It's uh, making you read a little bit of Comedy of Errors, okay. except I've changed a few things. Now, oh, this a little one. bit of a difference this week. It's more of a, a thematic thing. Um, okay. It's not exactly one word. It's a certain group of images that keeps popping up. Okay. Who am I, who am I reading? You're reading um, the lines of Adriana. Okay. Um, Is that Lindsay Lohan? Sure, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, and this is after the summer camp? Yeah, okay, I like. think I, Okay. I think Take I it away. Patience unmoved. No marvel, though, she pours. They can be meek that have no weasel wound. A wretched soul bruised with weasel bites. We bid be quiet when we hear you cry. But were we burdened with like weasel scars? As much or more we would ourselves complain. So thou hast no fingers due to weasels. With urging helpless patience was relieve me. But if thou live to see the like bereft, these weasel flashbacks in thee will be left. Any ideas what's going on there, Adam? See, they've been really easy before, but this one's not jumping out at me. It's really, it's not even like popping up a little bit, like it was coming out of a hole. I don't even remember it from the film. Try and forget the film for a second. Try and just imagine what, what, what jumps out at you there. Like it might jump um, out in front of your car or... Um, try to work out what's just ferreting around in there. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that last line. Yep. Flashbacks. It's not a real word. You're absolutely right. Oh, nailed it. It's weird that it doesn't end with a wedding. No. 
Yeah, I mean, yes, it is. It's not a traditional comic ending. It actually ends with a christening. Yeah. And does that make it... So that means it's, in the classical term, not a comedy. Well, it's difficult. I mean, it it depends on people's sort of interpretation of of comedy. Generally, generally a tragedy, characters um, succeed in the early acts and then fail comically fail in the in the later ones yeah. so that so their arc looks like sort of a letter n mm-hmm. whereas um comic characters are, go through a sort of letter v yeah everything falls apart in the first act and everything looks sort of terrible and then they you know succeed and yeah traditionally it's a marriage but mm-hmm. um not always i mean love's labor's lost which i'm going to talk about next week uh completely subverts that and it was a heavily anticipated series of marriages, four mm-hmm. at least, um, and they sort of get cancelled and delayed. Because that was something I only learned this week, that a wedding generally or can signify that it's a comedy, or at least not a tragedy. Yeah, the traditional thing is comedies end in weddings and tragedies end with mass deaths. With the death of the entire cast. Yeah, yeah. What's your favourite play that just ends with the entire cast dying? It doesn't even have to be Shakespeare. Oh, I'm trying to think of a film I watched where almost everyone dies and yet it's a really happy ending. Uh, Kill Bill. Uh, Yeah, does the bride die? She doesn't die, but it's a happy ending in the sense that she accomplished what she set out to do. Yeah. Uh, Django. Is it a film you like? Kill Bill? Is that going to be another one? I wish it had been one film. Yeah. But I did like it. Do you not like Kill Bill? I wish it had been no films. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> the Young Ones ends yes. with them all dying. Yes, it does. I think that's perfect. Is it like a bomb goes off in their flat or something? No, they drive off a cliff. Is it a Thelma and Louise? They drive off a cliff in a bus listening to Cliff Richard. <laughs> Singing, let's all go on a summer holiday. Uh, they all die in Blackadder. Mm. Yes. That's right at the top. I know we've veered into TV, but yeah, that. That's that's a bad one. Well, it's not bad, but it's very sad. Too sad for the tone of the show. No, but to say, like... I know some people can't stand Blackadder, but I've always loved it. Um, And to say it's such a silly, like, show with all those similes and everything... Um, I think they got the tone just right. Like, if you try to pull that off, there's a lot of, like, comedians Mm -hmm. nowadays who try to end a set with something somber, a bit like Russell Howard's Good News. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really... It sounds... It feels a bit jarring, you know, to do, like, a load of stupid jokes and then suddenly go, and now let me talk about this cancer charity. Well, I I feel like it works in Blackadder Goes Forth because... The whole setting, the entire way through the season, has been totally at odds with what they're talking about. And it's like, it's finally caught up with them. Yeah, and all the way through from the first episode, he's been trying to escape death. Yeah. Blackadder sees it for what it is and has a really... So, and, and his sarcastic comedy that he's... And he, he, sorry, his sarcastic attitude that he's had in the previous series is even more... Um, uh, necessary in well, the fourth like, one because it's yeah. like this is the way he deals <clears throat> with it and he's surrounded by it's like all the characters really um, worked for it because you had the 
the bright-eyed, um, misled George character, yep. Hugh Laurie. You had the, um, you know, hopeless Tommy yeah. in Baldrick. And you had the sort of and you had the privileged, privileged class Stephen Fry. Uh, yeah, but also the privileged. Um, I can't remember what darling. He, no, no, Blackadder. What, what I can't remember what his rank is. Well, he's a he's a captain, isn't he? Captain Blackadder. That sounds right. Because he's he's below. Is he above George, or is he the same rank as George? I think he's above George. Okay, but I know that he's he's below. He certainly thinks he is. What's the um? What's Stephen Fry's character called? Uh, general Melchard. Melchard. Oh, because Melchard, because he's not a general. Yeah. He's not a general, no. Because he's um that 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 was. I think he's the same rank as Darling. I think it's Captain Darling and Captain Blackadder. It is because Captain Darling has the cushy mm. position in the field headquarters, but that final episode where the, the sort of goofy hijinks they get up to is Blackadder trying every single thing he can think of to get himself taken away from the front. Yeah. And then he's eventually ordered over the top. Yeah. It's quite. It's dark, but in a way that's. You know the tone of that last scene. It's like you've just you know it's like you're watching My Boy Jack or something. It just completely swaps. Yeah, the the whole t- it's like funny and fitting at the same time. It's a bit of a, a, a stroke of magic, really. It's a tragedy. It, in the classical sense, it has to be because all, all characters die. Yeah. And yeah. Because what you say is right. What defines a comedy isn't that something's been funny all the way through. No, that's true. In in terms of structure, it's it's literally a happy ending. There there are there there are quite a lot that end end surprisingly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, two gentlemen of Verona. The first one ends with someone attempting to rape uh, his yeah. his best friend's uh, betrothed. Yeah. And then instantly being forgiven, and then agreeing to all get married together the next day with different partners. Um, measure for measure, which is uh, it's counted as one of his problem plays, but that's not mm-hmm. how he would have thought of it. And um, that ends with uh, someone who's been trying to get out uh, out of someone's particularly rapey clutches all the way through the play, being given away to someone else. Fucking hell! So if the um. Two Gentlemen of Rona, that ending. Do you think that would have surprised contemporary audiences? No, not at all. That's kind of the point I was trying to make in the in the podcast. Because well, I, I remember you were saying that it wasn't an uncommon ending for the play for plays. It's not. It's not that it's an uncommon ending. It's just that what he was, I think, satirizing. I think he reached the logical conclusion of what he was satirizing, which is if someone is just made out of affectations. They're going to result in either um, dissolution, like Valentine mm. does, or just resorting to brute force, like Proteus does. Yes. Um, and so the fact that he tries to rape someone is uh, really just the result of that. And, and the callousness of it on Shakespeare's part isn't the fact that he depicted an attempted rape. It's just that he didn't really think it was a big deal to do so. Whereas now, in a modern play, if you dep- depicted an attempted rape, you wouldn't really be able to do it and not address it. It would normally be the crux. Exactly. It would yeah. be the issue of the the media, whatever it was you were talking about. So the real the real big bone, I think, of uh, uh, oh, that's a terrible way to put it. The real issue, I think, with um, Two Gentlemen of Verona is that he included an attempted rape, and it doesn't really matter. And, it, and it's 
not not that it's played for laughs, but it's played off like it's an unimportant part of the story. Yeah, it's, what's important about it isn't what uh, what is what Sylvia is threatened with. Mm-hmm. What's important is what's revealed to be lacking in Proteus. I see that he uses an attempted rape as a device to finish his his comic conclusion, and that's what people really have a problem with. So all of the talking about, you know, um, how could Valentine put up with a rapist, uh, or or believe that how could Valentine believe that his could forgive his friend for for attempting that, mm-hmm. I think is a bit sort of misguided because that's not really what it's about. Ah, uh, do you think that Shakespeare's characters? as they are written and on stage, are supposed to be full, well-rounded characters? Are they supposed to exist or are they there to serve a purpose? Well, I don't I don't even really know what that means. Like, are they up on stage? Are you meant to believe that they exist outside of the situation that they exist in right now? Did they exist before the play started and they'll exist after it ends? Or are they just constructs? I think as a general rule, it's... It's not helpful to imagine characters like going on after the play. Uh, sometimes plays agree, say, yeah. uh, you know, you talked about um, uh, fucking Italian job. Yeah. You're obviously meant to think like, did they make it? But um, to it's a very sort of creative writing course way of thinking to go you know, what did this character have for breakfast this morning and what was this character's relationship with his mother growing up? Sure. Sometimes it's not important. Mm-hmm. And what is important is what you're presented with. Well, so to that extent, characters are just there to provide a purpose or to maybe reflect one side of an argument. Well, I, I agree. I feel like if you're reading a book about a character, you're reading the story because the story starts at the beginning of that character's story. If it was as important or as interesting as what you're about to read, yeah, and I would even it would say start that, there. Yeah, yeah, and I would even say it's not really starting at the beginning of that character's story. It's beginning it starts at the beginning of the, the story that the involves them. The writer's story, yeah. and there's a great quote by Kurt Vonnegut that says uh, it's actually about short stories, but he says that the best way to write one is start it as close to the end as you possibly can. That's really interesting. I um, like that a lot. So I, I think I, I think yeah. all of these characters are are. I mean, it's really difficult with Shakespeare because some of them you end up thinking about so much because they, it, it sounds like such a trite and, uh, yeah, such a trite thing to say that they're, they're full of impurities and imperfections and stuff. But things like, p- characters like Barone in um, uh, Love's Labour's Lost, mm-hmm. Hamlet, um, they're, they're full of c- kind of oddities. And so they seem much more real because they, they're really inconsistent. Well, it makes a lot of sense, and in uh, and in some ways you can read them as th- that as being like bad writing. Like, well, if they're meant to be this sort of character, why are they so weird? <laughs> but it, but it's their weirdness that makes them kind of live a bit more and seem like real no, people. I get that. But at the same yeah. time, you know, in the two and a half hours you spend watching them, they are serving a purpose, and their yes. purpose is in a bigger story. Yes, and it is to be the cogs that push the story along. Exactly, like uh, like one tool of the writers. What do you Along think? Along with the setting and everything else. What do you think about? Is it? Is it? It's called media in res. Mm. Is that like when the story starts in the middle of something that's going on? Yeah. 
how do you feel about that as a device? Because I quite like it, where you're just thrown into a situation that you have absolutely no context for, and then you, as the watcher, reader, whatever, pieces it together as the story continues. Yeah, I think being like thrown into the middle of things is is great. I mean, it's a bit of a um, a delusion though that that's ever really the case because. You, st- you still need to do all the same tricks. You can start a story by going, okay, so these these twins, right, and they get estranged and they get separated in this boat and this is also this other sec- set of twins and they become their manservants and they, they all have the same name. I, I, I know, just go with it. Or you could just drop them in, drop you into the middle of that story, forget the prologue, and you would still have to feed <coughs> us all of that information for it to make sense. So it, So... Starting halfway through mm. in media res, it, all it is is a sort of like, I'm trying to delay exposition. You've, you've, got, you've, you've got to get through that Goodreads reading challenge somehow, you know? I, bond, I do have one of those, you know. Do you? Yeah. What number have you set yourself to? 200. 200 books? Yeah. That's, that's almost four books a week. Well, that's probably why I'm not doing very well on it. How many, how many, I don't want to sort of turn this into a cockfight. <laughs> have you done it before? I, I tried to do it last year and I, I, I failed completely. What did you set it at? I went for, I went for 40 last year. I, I realized that I'm not very good at forcing myself to read. This, it, it's such a cop out when you say you don't have time to read because you can always make time to read. I totally agree. But I'm... Recently, it's, I can't tell if it's a bad habit or not, but I've started reading. I read a, a great amount in a short burst, mm-hmm. and then it'll be a while before I pick up again. So I'll I'm reading slightly slower than I normally do. Yeah, but the time in between my like it'll be a few days in between times I'm actually doing a read. Do you um, plan your reading like a menu? I have a I have a pile. Yeah, a big pile beside my bed. And I'll just pull a book out of the pile. It's not whichever one's on the top of the pile will be next. It's a lot of, it's a lot of gut feeling. But d- when you make the pile, do you plan to read it in that order? Because I f- I find that I I sort of go, oh, yeah, I'll read through this writer and then I'll move on to that. And then as soon as you start following that kind of track that you've set yourself for your own enjoyment, you immediately start subverting it as if your previous self as a school teacher who was forcing you to do something yeah now instead i'm going to read this see my system fuck the system (laughs) my pile formed sort of sort of naturally like a stalagmite over eons i had those ones yeah piles (laughs) i thought you meant eons (laughs) what was i gonna say so do you um do you tend to read like are you the kind of person that reads through authors or do you like to no. take a right take take a right angle after every book and go just done sci-fi I'm going to read just done sci-fi romance sci-fi done it mate yeah no I mean if it, un- unless it's a series like when I read his dark materials recently <coughs> yeah I will probably go out of my way to not read the same author again oh that's interesting I don't I don't know I feel like I can burn out very quickly on a particular style or topic maybe you haven't read the right author. Maybe, but I feel like I've read a lot of the ones with huge, just throbbing back catalogs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and 
I think unless it's unless it's something like uh, Agatha Christie or Raymond Chandler, where the in my opinion the style is kind of timeless, and I can just jump in and just yeah. read 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 a genre. I'm, I'm reading a genre when I read one of those books. If would you like it if we did Raymond Chandler or Agatha Christie on the show, on the podcast? Yeah, as in as in who who would win in a fight, or as in oh, as a subject would win for a podcast? Well, I don't I don't think there's much of a question there. Christie. Easily, of course, yeah. Well, she she led a very mysterious life. Yeah, but mysterious doesn't win a fist fight, does it? Well, you know, you know, there was that that time she went missing for like a significant period yeah. of time. Can you prove that she was not on top of a mountain in the Himalayas training with monks? Yeah, I think so. She I was mean, found in Harrogate. She was, but you know, it doesn't you know prove prove me wrong. I, I don't have the resources at my fingertips right now exactly that yeah that's true maybe one day we'll find a little sort of stash of uh nunchucks <laughs> nunchucks and sort of poirot outlines in the himalayas <laughs> well did you not did you did, adam was right did you not read the one where um where poirot found out he was really good at martial arts when he got drunk yeah and that he was also like um a newt in a previous life yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, I don't know. In looking up sort of stuff about twins, I also ended up looking up um, uh, foreign uh, translations of films. Have you ever read those? Some of them are like foreign translate, like the titles, like the of titles. Films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, the Russian title for Twenty One Jump Street is um, is Macho and the Nerd. Is what? <laughs> Macho and the Nerd. Macho and the Nerd. Yeah. <laughs> That sounds so much better. Yeah, I know. Did you know that the German title for Toy Story was The Magic Playbox? That's such a shit title. It sounds so folksy, doesn't it? And the uh, the Korean title for Monsters, Inc. is uh, A Company of Trolls. <laughs> <laughs> and the Japanese title for Finding Nemo, <laughs> Come Dine With Me. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Always with a dig at the Japanese. The uh, the review said it was only a matter of time before Pixar did talking food. <laughs> right, I'm I'm, I'm going to spin this into something wholesome. Yeah, there's a film that everybody should see called Juro Dreams of Sushi. Mm, bet he does. He, he does, and it's very good. And it's about a lovely old man who makes sushi, not out of talking fish or endangered species. Just out of in- oh damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I know your tricks. I've actually seen that. It's a really good film. It's a really good film. Yeah. Is that the first film that we've both... Not the first ever. First, was that the first one they ever made? Mm. The sushi one? Was that I the feel first like we've... we've talked about films we agree on off the podcast, just never on it. I think, I think all the films we've talked about on the podcast, we have been completely polar on. Yeah, yeah, we have. <laughs> <laughs> Universally, I think. So I'm, I'm glad that we found some... I think we both like Ladybird. Ladybird was good. You had you had more problems with it than I did. No, I didn't. I liked Ladybird a lot. Oh no, it was three. It was three billboards that you you I hated. hated. Three billboards. You hated three billboards. Terrible film. Oh. I mean, I'm as I'm as speechless now as I was. You weren't speechless then. <laughs> I had a lot of things to say. I think we actually had to cut that out because it was so <laughs> prolonged. We got some emails. Have we really? I printed them all off. I left you in charge of the emails, didn't I? You did. Look at this. Look at this big sack we've got. Hey, it's worked. Go on. It has. Okay. Do you want to read one out? 
sure, I'll just grab this one. Oh, this is nice. Okay. Dear read this. That's that's cute. That's the name of the section. That's clever. Dear read this. Dear read this. Dear read this. Okay. They say my voice is very nice. Yeah. Adam's voice is sounding lovely again. Okay, yeah, we've heard that before. Come on, get to the... Ash is, is improving. Oh, okay. But it doesn't excuse what he did to Simon Mayo at that oh, party. Okay, you know what? Uh, um, we can shelf that one. Do you want to pass me one? Yeah, Why sure. do you print them out? I mean, you just get them on a tablet. I mean, come on, it's the 21st century, man. Uh, this one um, this one just says hi. Okay. Um, I'm in complete agreement with Ash about uh, the taming of the shrew. Um, but as a lifelong Simon May... Oh, for fuck's sake, you know... Uh, okay. Any others? Sure, I'll try and find. I'll try and find. This one is. This one just says hashtag pray for mayo on it. Okay. You know what? We can. Should we leave this till next week? Um, but I, we I got was a actually, lot. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they're all much of a muchness. This actually leads into my um, heart hitting question of the week, Adam. Um, okay. Strap yourself in, Adam Rodriguez. Uh, That's not my name. Listen, I'm talking now. Okay. The Me Too movement, Adam. Has it gone too far? Um, no, I don't think Isn't it's gone it all far just enough. Witches actually. and pitchforks and nonsense. No, I think this is—it's a really brave thing some of these people are doing, speaking up about. Is—is is this to do with what happened with you and Simon Mayo at the party last week? That's got very little to. I, I mean, I—I mean, I have been, I suppose, a, a, a victim in this whole thing myself. I mean, I—I I, I sort of saw what happened, and I don't think you were the victim. Well, you, you clearly didn't um, saw it clear enough. Well, me me and Brad and Denzel were all there on the chaise long. Yeah, who were those guys? We'd let you and Mayo in. You know, that was a big risk anyway. I I heard what you said to him. And I don't think that's on. I'm, I, I, I'm not quite on the side of some of these. These letters are quite vitriolic, but I'm, I think that, I don't know. I think, I think we should sort this out right now. Listen, we're both we're both um, you know grown up uh, famous men, uh, not you obviously, me, me and Mayo, and these things come up, you know, friend, friends fall out, and I regret that. Okay. And you know. Do you want to do an apology now? No, I, I no, I don't. That that event hurt me as much as it hurt him. So in a way, we're all victims. But you seem to be doing okay over there. Like, I, I, here I am being me too, left, right, and centre by by Mayo and the like. And <laughs> you, meanwhile, you're sudding it. So tell yeah. me about your life. I've managed. Adam, I've managed not surname. to assault anybody this week. You know what else I've seen? What else have you seen? Trending on Twitter. What is trending on Twitter? Preo. I mean, I've not seen it's it. It's Ridiculous. Do you want... Shall we get out in front of this? I, I don't want to do a statement here, man. You okay. know, I've said all I've needed to say. Okay, because it was quite... Um, I wrote it on paint and then posted it on Twitter. I saw that. It was very immature of you to do that. Well, I, I wanted it to look um, sinister in a way. You really... I think I think you gave the mayonnaises what they wanted on that one, I think. Did you see that I, I, I wrote it in mayonnaise? I did. I didn't know you could get that brush on paint. That that will have got him look. That will have got his attention. 
Okay. Well, I know that. I think. I think. I think. I think. If, if you don't give a statement, I'll clear it up. Mm-hmm. So we were at we were at the party last week, and we were all there. Me, Brad, Denzel, and I guess you two were there as well. You guys were hanging up by the piano. I I look over, over over the top of my very large martini, mm. and I'm seeing I'm seeing Ash. It was it was an innocent mistake. He was just trying to get Simon to listen to the podcast. Yeah, and I was putting earphones in his ears. Um, uh, you know, apparently that is penetration, but I, I don't I don't really see that myself. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm. Seems I, a bit weird. I mean, like if if you know if some if someone uh, put their finger in your mouth, that's not weird or wrong. Well, we we've got a few we've got a few emails about about that as well. Uh, listen, I'll I'll tell you how it was. I was over by the piano after I uh, played a few numbers. You certainly did that. Um, and I was uh, I was getting Mayo to. I wasn't getting. I wouldn't say getting. I I didn't take anything. I I just tried to play for him. Uh, what we did. Did you ask him first? In a way. I asked him with my um, hands. Okay. I'm a, I'm, a, put, I'm a little less on your side now. I, I, I just put the earphones in his ears. Okay. And apparently that counts as, as penetration, whatever that even means. Okay. Uh, and then he threw what I could only describe as um, a hissy fit. I think... I think that in order to save the brand, you're going to have to apologise to Mayo. Yeah, you're not sounding like you have very much sympathy for me, Adam. Let me tell you, this whole Mayo debacle, it's been hell, man. Well, see, I'm... It's, it's going to sound selfish. I'm going to have to say what it is. You're, you're really affecting my numbers here, by association. What? Yeah. I'm affecting your numbers? Yeah, I mean... I've I've slipped a couple of numbers. I've never I've never slipped before. Just because I inserted my podcast into the head of a disc jockey. Yeah, that 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 sort of thing does not read well, especially when I'm attached in the byline. Yeah, well, you were attached to his head briefly. Oh God. Yeah. Ash, mm. what is that? I'm glad you asked. That Adam is. The literary canon. It's quite threatening. The original canon. I want to thank uh, Beatrice here for, for bringing it along. Hi, B. No, nothing. No, she's a big Mayo fan. Oh. Um, listen, this is a new feature. Okay. Uh, you know the whole point of the podcast, yeah? Uh, swivel books around in your ears. That, but also um, decide what is and isn't in the canon. Whether or not things should be in the canon, discuss... Certain canonical books, validity, that kind of thing. Does it have to be pointing at me? Uh, for this bit, it's yeah. It's quite threatening. Yeah, and I also do need to be sitting on it like this. It is It is a bit strange, love. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Yeah. I feel, I've never felt it this powerful. It's been my mission over these last few weeks to try and persuade you and others um, that the three plays that I've talked about are worth keeping in the canon. Arguably, <sighs> they weren't up for... Um, removal anyway but what i want to do instead of it leaving it all up to me um i want to uh get the opinion of the uh the common man 
uh, someone uh, someone likable like yourself and okay. um, sort of rough around the edges, okay, and, uh, a bit sort of um, soiled um, um, and uh, swamp like, uh, uh, rusticated, a little a little earthy, a little okay. um, bumpkin like. What's this got to do with the armament? Uh, you are going to decide whether these three plays, and Beatrice is loading them in now. That's There goes Two Gentlemen of Verona, okay. Taming of the Shrew, and The Comedy of Errors, all loaded into the canon. Um, it's up to you, Adam, whether or not they stay there or they are fired out. Ooh. Of course, if you've listened to my podcasts, I think you'll be pretty well convinced that those... I don't think they need to be in the canon. Thank you for listening to Ear Read This. If you want to interact with us throughout the week, you can get us on our social medias. On Facebook, we're on Twitter. And if you have any questions or just any points you want to raise, you can email us at earreadthis at gmail.com. You can listen to us every week on the iTunes app, on the Podbean app, or in the bath. But until next week, thank you very much. <laughs>